0: Nice to have a bit of a, thank you. Nice to have a little change in the weather too and not be quite as beastly as it has been lately. Yeah. <clears throat> well, as the uh, prime just said, we're talking this morning further in a series of believe and uh, coming out of Joseph and holding on to the dream. One of you've ever had a dream, either for yourself or for others. I'm sure you have. A dream, a preferred reality for uh, some situation. Um, I remember hearing about two uh, Queensland young blokes were um, talking and one says, ''I had a fabulous dream last night.'' And I said, ''Tell me about it.'' He said, ''Well, I went to to Movie World and went on every ride all by myself there and had a fantastic time.'' He said, ''Well, that was great. That sounds uh, awesome.'' He said, ''Well, I had a great dream too.'' I was sitting at uh, home when I heard a knock on the door and I opened the door and there was uh, Billy Slater and Wally Lewis and Alfie Langer at the door. They said, come on, mate, jump in the limo. We're going to Suncorp. So I got in with them. We we drove to Suncorp and uh, it was the origin decider. And uh, first was this fantastic dinner with uh, all the guests, all the greats. Fatty and Mel and Thurston and Cooper, they were all there. And it was unreal. And we had a top spot in this corporate box to watch all the action and we beat New South Wales by 40 points. The guy says, wow, that's fantastic. Why didn't you call me? He said, well, I did. And your mother said, you're in movie world. (laughs) Anyway. I'll leave that time to drop for a few people. No, was, uh, but anyway, but uh, dreams and visions are powerful things, aren't they? They can take us to places that without the dream we would never have seen. And one of the most famous dreamers of my early life was a fellow called Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King Jr. And in August 28, 1963, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., he articulated a most powerful dream. It wasn't the first time he'd done it, but he did on that occasion. Um, And the dream was the end of segregation of the races throughout the United States of America. 1963 it was. And amongst what he said, he said this, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. Namely, we hold these (coughs) truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. He said, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And when this happens, and when we allow freedom's ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we'll be able to speed up the day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God almighty, We are free at last. Now, he articulated that dream, but that was a dream that was unimaginable to most people in America at that time and violently opposed by others. But it was, I believe, a dream from God. And with the energy of like-minded folks and the grace of God, on July the 2nd, 1964, President Johnson signed into law the Civil Rights Act, ending 115 years of legally sanctioned racial segregation. So as you can see from that, dreams are powerful things and dreams founded in God are the most powerful of all. Amen? Another dreamer was the Bible figure Joseph who lived about 1700 BC And uh, Joseph was the youngest son of Jacob and the great-grandson of Abraham. And in Genesis 37, we begin to hear about this young man and his amazing dream that he received. And his dream, in essence, was to be elevated to a place of authority. And we read in Genesis 37 and verse 6 to 11. He said to them, his brothers, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of corn out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Didn't need much filling in, did they? They knew straight away what he was saying. Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. Joseph's was a grand dream, wasn't it? And not the kind of dream that your siblings would welcome you sharing with them either, okay? I'm sure if we shared that with our brothers and sisters, they wouldn't uh, clap their hands for joy and say, may it be. And neither did his. And um, as we think of dreams today, um, in a biblical sense, as we're talking about them today, I, I think dreams speak of a purpose. They speak of a reason for living. Something or someone to believe in. A dream in this biblical sense is not, is not a fantasy, it's not a daydream, it's not a wishful thought. It is something that is yet unseen, yet as real as today because it has its origin in God. That's what I'm talking about, about dreams today. I'm not just talking about woolly daydreaming. I'm talking about something that comes from God that's very definite. And it's, and it's good to have dreams. It's good to have uh, focus. It's good to have purpose. Without them, we flounder, don't we? You know, without direction, without some kind of a, a guiding light, if you like, then we often flounder. Ephesians five seventeen says, Therefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And when I read that, I think that the will of the Lord for us uh, surely speaks of our God-ordained life dream, our vision for how God wants our life to be, what God is intending for us. His will is the dream that I'm talking about, and if we if we discover God's will, God's dream for us, then that life dream can take us somewhere, just the way as it did for Joseph. We just don't have to just just mull around we can have a definite purpose. And not a purpose that's ordained by Facebook or by the media or by the news or by current affairs, but by God himself, his purpose in our life. Now, if you know the story, you'll know how it goes. Joseph's life dream was smooth sailing and he soon saw the thing that God has shown him, right? Is that how... No, that didn't work. No, he had a few obstacles. What were some of the obstacles that um, Joseph came up against? Just call him out. He got sold into slavery. That's a fair setback. Anything else? Jail. Jail. That was, yeah, not probably on his plan. <laughs> Anything else? Huh? Potiphar's wife. Yeah, that was an interesting episode. Potiphar's wife accused wrongly. Um, did his family embrace his dream? negative. Family were, nah, don't think so. And, uh, you know, all those things uh, came together. And, um, And if we are given a dream from God, it is highly unlikely that you're going to be able to proceed through that dream without setbacks, without opposition, from without, from within, from the devil, even, dare I say, testings that God allows us to go through. I know that's not comfortable theology in some quarters of the church, but nonetheless, I think it's true that if we're going to achieve something, we're going to go somewhere uh, that's really uh, productive and positive in God, then there's there's going to be setbacks. And some of you maybe right now are in the midst of setbacks to your dream. I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up too easily. Don't give up too easily. Just because you're you're facing some obstacles. Because you know, because someone wants to throw you into prison or someone wants to bring a false accusation. You probably won't get sold to slavery in Australia. But setbacks come to us usually when we've got something, a direction we're headed in. What was really significant about Joseph in regard to the dreams he was given was this. He understood that God had spoken to him. And he understood that what God had declared about him was true no matter what the circumstances indicated. Now that's a strong faith position to arrive at, but that's certainly what Joseph did. He said, I'm not looking at what's going on around me. I'm going to look at what God promised me. Genesis 39.2 is, uh, is one of those... Strange scriptures, it's a great scripture though, because it defies the logic of Joseph's circumstances. It says there in Genesis 39:2, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Well, hang on. God's word calls Joseph in that moment a prosperous man. Now, at that time in his life, he was serving as a slave. His own brothers had sold him into slavery and uh, told his father that he was dead. He's no longer the well-off, well-dressed favourite son. He finds himself on an auction block, a slave auction block in a foreign land, stripped of everything. And he's got this rich Egyptian standing beside him with all the extravagance that comes with his abundant wealth. But the Bible, in that moment, records Joseph as being the prosperous one. It's amazing when you think about it. But see, God's view of prosperity, God's view of blessing is very different to what we often understand. Material things are not the only indicative of prosperity. In fact, they can be quite the opposite. They can be actually just a lie. True prosperity is knowing that God is with you. That's true prosperity. Knowing that God is with you. True prosperity is keeping His vision alive in your heart. That's true prosperity. It's not wealth itself, but God's favour, God's anointing, God's power working in your life. Can you say amen to that? It's true. If all you're going to have a The signs of prosperity is what car I'm driving, what house I'm living in, what my bank balance looks like. You're going to be off the track. Prosperity in God is not just those things. It can include those things, but it is much more about you knowing that God is in your life, that he has you and you have him. That's true prosperity. There's no greater gift. And Joseph Joseph never let go of the truth that God was with him. Whether he was in the desert pit, whether he was on the slave route, whether he was uh, serving in his master's house, whether he was falsely accused and, and he's in prison, whether he was in the courts of Pharaoh as a great leader in time, he knew that God was with him 100% of the time. 100% of the time. Not just when things were outwardly rosy. He kept believing in the dream. And we need to do the same. If we're going to just be looking at our circumstances and judging whether God is with us or whether he's not because of our circumstances, you're going to be up and down like a yo-yo. yo-yos go like that? I don't know. Up and down like a (laughs) yo-yo. Up and down like a roller coaster. You'll be all over the place if you're just going to be looking at circumstances to say, am I doing well or am I not? Because many, many, many of our brothers and sisters through history have been in great adversity right in the middle of God's will. Right in the middle of God's will. I think another point, um, important point for all of this in, in, in Joseph's dream was that the dream's fulfilment was not so much about him but about the blessing of others. And when you see the story unfold, you realise that was true. And I think that's where our dreams are often misplaced. They can be all about us, little about others, and maybe not much about God at all. And that's our dream. Joseph's dream was not all about him. Joseph's journey, Joseph's, the fulfilment of Joseph's dream opened the door to Egypt for the descendants of Abraham. And it was in Egypt that they grew to be a mighty nation. They weren't a mighty nation when they left to come at the the bidding of, of, uh, of, of Joseph. But they were, over the preceding years, in the place of prosperity that God put them there. And then 400 years later, they would leave Egypt after trials. There's no doubt about that. But 400 years later, they would leave Egypt under Moses. And what would they take with them? The bones of this now young man, Joseph. They would take them with him. Because Joseph believed what he'd heard from his father, that God had chosen his family to be the promised seed. Joseph believed that God was giving, going to give the promised land to his family. Even though they'd come down with him to Egypt, Joseph believed that that was God's, promise for that nation. Now Joseph's dying in a a foreign land as he gets older his family's settled, they're rooted in the land of Goshen, they've become huge, yet he kept believing, believing the promise that someday God would move his family back to the land of Canaan and eventually give them the land. And believing that, he said hey, when you go remember hundreds of years earlier, when you go Take my bones with you because I want to rest in the promised land. And in Hebrews eleven twenty two it says, By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Now, remember, this is, a, this is a list of heroes of faith. And of all the things Joseph might have done that the author mentions, it mentions that he believed God they were going to go back to the promised land. Amazing. Talk about an undying faith. His body was dying at that point, but not his faith in God and in God's promise. He knew that he knew that he would rest in the promised land. What about us? What about you? What is the, what's the dream? What's the vision? The promise, the hope that God has given you? Are you going to ignore that? Or are you going to pursue it? Will you let go if it gets too hard? Or will you... Hold on to it. Now, I can't let a message like this pass without saying the greatest thing that God has set before us is salvation. That is the preeminent promise of God. It is the one dream, the one vision, the one hope that is common for all humanity. We may share other different visions and hopes and dreams, but that is the one dream and hope and promise that God has set before us. Every person. And we need to lay hold on that first. How? By acknowledging that all of our other dreams are lesser dreams than knowing Christ. Can't compare to knowing Jesus as Lord and Saviour and friend here and in eternity to come. But having received Christ and as we stand in his love and having his presence in our life, there are other visions and promises and hopes that God graciously lays upon our heart and what's that for you today as you sit here today what kind of things does that relate to for you it may relate to marriage and family either a better marriage or getting a marriage reconciliation in family it might be relate to career or work goals It might relate to a mission calling. Maybe God's calling you to a a foreign field as a missionary or here in Australia as a missionary, some form. It might be about physical or mental health. That may be a goal that God or a vision that God has put before you. They may be financial, business goals. There's nothing wrong with those things. I'm not suggesting for a minute that it's wrong to have financial, business goals. There's nothing wrong with that at all. They are also part of God's economy. But what goal, what dream, what vision is God laying upon you today? And what are you going to do with it? Now, I'm not saying for one moment that every dream that we see is necessarily from God. But if we feel that it is, and if it's, if it's not contrary to God's word, then we can go for it. And you can test your dream in the Council of Mature Christian Friends. If you're married and God gives you a vision or a dream that someone else, someone else's wife is for you, I can tell you that's not from God. You you can test that all you like, but that's not from God. But those kind of dreams aside, you know, as God lays something in our heart, we can we can bring it to others. We can we can share it with our husband and wife. We can share it with a pastor. We can share it with a close friend, and we can test it to see if it seems good. And if it does seem in God, if it does seem a good thing, then why not go for it? Because God has got a real purpose for your life. He has got a God-ordained dream for you to live out. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. For some of you, the dream... Or dreams have wandered around your head for years and you may have almost forgotten about those dreams or simply given up on them. Can I encourage you to awaken your heart to lay hold of those things again, to believe God afresh? Or maybe he's laying some new and fresh dream upon you at the beginning of 2017. Don't push it aside. Test it. And if it seems good, go for it. Just as it was for Joseph and Martin Luther King and every other person who's dreamed a good dream, there are steps we'll have to take to see the dream realised. I was looking at our everyday catalyst card and I found it full of potential steps that can help us see God's dream come true in our lives. I saw things like intentionally engaging with others, Applying ourselves to spiritual disciplines like Bible reading and prayer and journaling. Engaging in a small group for discipleship. Sowing into our families through home devotional times. Serving in some capacity. Maybe CRI is the step that you need to take for your dream. Faithfulness in giving. The things we are believing God for, the things you would like to see in your life are probably not going to just happen. You're probably not going to wake up one day and find this is now true for you. We have a role to play in the process. There are steps to be taken. And following through on the encouragements that are found in the Everyday Catalyst card will certainly set you in the right direction. So as I come to a close... If you've never if you're here today and you've never embraced the greatest promise, the greatest dream of all, eternal life with God through Jesus Christ, then I can only earnestly encourage you to take that step and we would love to to pray with you about that because that is absolutely and truly the key that opens the door to every other real treasure in life and life beyond. But for every one of us today, every one of us, if you can, can I encourage you to see God's dream for your life. Not for someone else, but to see God's dream for your life and to receive it as his gift to you. It's a gift he gives us. Then hold on to it in faith and decide that every day you're going to live in a strong conviction that God is willing, God is able, to pour out his ever-present love and grace into your life that we might be blessed and be a blessing. Let's stand together. Let's just close in prayer. Father God, we thank you this morning that, Lord, you have not left us without direction. You have not left us without vision. You have not left us without goals and dreams. But, Lord, you freely give into the hearts of your children, your mind for them, your direction, your way. And I pray for each one of us today that we would have open eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive what you are saying to us about even the direction for this year and what steps we might need to take to see that come to pass. Lord, may we be bold in faith to believe you and trust you for greater things than we've presently experienced. Greater in that they broaden our dimension of knowing you and serving you and loving you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.